Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. I almost missed my own intro because I was reading this story about this kid that's projected to be a number one draft pick. But in like, um, let's see, eight years? Because... He's a six foot seven, three hundred seventy pound eighth grader. Eighth grader. This kid is 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 a lineman, and he's an eighth. He's he's an NFL lineman size right now, larger than some NFL linemen, and uh, he's in eighth grade. But he's not. He's not like out of shape though. Like he just is a big dude. Anyway, so I was reading this story and I was like, wait, that's my that's my cue. I need to stop reading this story and focus on what I'm actually going to talk about today. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Our service last night was just so exciting. I mean, I've never seen a pastor floss, let alone floss on the stage like behind the pulpit it was it was quite it was quite a sight to behold um and if you weren't here see these are the things that you miss when you don't come to church on Wednesday nights some people are like oh I don't want to go to church Wednesday night you know it's the middle of the week and stuff and I get that it's a tough one you know, we're in the middle of the work week, and it's hump day, and you're just like, oh, just got to get to Thursday, got to get to Friday. You know, I, I get that. I get that. I'm just saying, if you don't come, these are the things you miss out on. And I, I doubt that we will ever have that side again. But, um, Yeah. Okay, let's jump right in, talk about some news here today. The Iran deal is no more. It is over for the U.S., and as the Times of Israel put it, quote, Trump's decision to withdraw from the nuclear pact follows his decisions to undo virtually all other landmark policy achievements of his predecessor, Obama's health care reform, his dentite with Cuba, the Paris Climate Agreement, and other international pacts. (laughs) Now, the Times of Israel is not necessarily the most conservative of news outlets, but it's kind of like, oh, dropped the mic. <laughs> like, I think they meant it to be a little bit like, not necessarily insulting, but I don't think they were making that statement as a compliment, if you catch my drift. But... The statement nevertheless remains, although they're kind of wrong about the whole healthcare reform thing. That's still in place, and we're still dealing with that. But uh, he did. We're not doing stuff with Cuba. The Paris Climate Agreement is over. International pacts that Obama made, he's looking at, and he's taking us out of ones we shouldn't be in, like the Iran nuclear deal. You know, he sees these accords and these treaties, and he, he's basically Captain America, right? In, uh, in, um, Civil War. Marvel Civil War, which I think was the best one, by the way. And no, I ha- don't say anything about Infinity War. Do not text me. I haven't seen it. Shh. Stop it. Yes, I'm one of those people. Don't tell me. I have not seen it. So at this point in my life, Civil War is still the best one. Anyway. Let's talk about the actual topic at hand. If you're anything like me, you probably knew at least a little bit about the Iran deal when it was made. Uh, You were like, is this a good thing that Obama is doing? But it seemed to be a good thing because Iran was saying, yeah, you know what? We're going to be nice to all people and we will stop our nuclear program indefinitely because President Barack Obama and the American people are our favorites. Also, 
<laughs> Hashtag we love Israel. All lies. Netanyahu and Israel's Mossad just blew that thing wide open, completely exposed Iran a few weeks ago. The fact that even, well, leading up to the Iran deal that President Obama made during uh, the, the actual negotiations and post the signing of the Iran deal, Iran has continued to develop nuclear weapons and has been, uh, has not done anything that they said they would do as a result of this deal. But, you know, until Netanyahu exposed that, unless you're very much in, engrossed in foreign policy issues and kind of a political nerd, you probably sort of forgot about the whole Iran deal thing. You forgot when it was made. You forgot maybe what it was about. And maybe you're watching the news reports, which are very conflicting, saying, wait, so... Is this a good thing that we're not in the Iran deal, or is this a bad thing that we're not in the Iran deal? And wasn't the deal to, for them to stop making weapons? Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, the idea was good. And if they had stopped making weapons, you know, that would have been good too. The problem is they never stopped. They've continued, by the way, while also working on this nuclear program, to fund and harbor terrorists and chant death to America whenever they deem it convenient. Most recently, in... um. In, in the Iranian parliament yesterday, they lit an American flag on fire in parliament, in the Iranian parliament. This is not people riding in the streets. No, in parliament, uh, they light a U.S. flag and chant death to America. But don't worry. That's just a, just a peaceful protest. Nothing to see there, I'm sure. So in case you missed it, Here's the highlights, okay? When Trump uh, spoke on Iran and then proceeded to sign the order removing us from the deal, the end of his speech said this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's lengthy. You can Google it. You can watch it on YouTube if you want. But he it boiled down to this. He said, It is clear to me that we cannot prevent an Iranian nuclear bomb under the decaying and rotten structure of the current agreement. The Iran deal is defective at its core. If we do nothing, we know exactly what will happen. In just a short period of time, the world's leading state sponsor of terror will be on the cusp of acquiring the world's most dangerous weapons. Therefore, I am announcing today that the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. In a few moments, I will sign a presidential memorandum to begin reinstating U.S. nuclear sanctions on the Iranian regime. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Any nation that helps Iran in its quest for nuclear weapons could also be strongly sanctioned by the United States. America will not be held hostage to nuclear blackmail. We will not allow American cities to be threatened with destruction, and we will not allow a regime that chants death to America to gain access to the most deadly weapons on Earth. Today's action sends a critical message. The United States no longer makes empty threats. When I make promises, I keep them. I mean, I don't know if you like President Trump or not. But personally, I I enjoy having a president who's not afraid to stand up and say, this is not a threat. This is a promise. You're done. I enjoy having a president who's able to get three uh, Americans released from North Korea who's able to help North and South Korea finally end their seemingly endless war. I love having a president who moves the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and recognizes it as the capital of Israel. I don't agree with everything that the president does. I don't agree with much, if not most, of his previous life decisions prior to the presidency. But when it comes to actual uh, governance and governing activities, if you will, this one's a pretty good one. Here's why. Iran never had any intention of following through with their end of the deal. And they haven't. So Ben Shapiro, he's one of my favorite, he's, he's 
he's yeah I, I, we could probably take out the one of the quite frankly he's become my favorite person when it when it when it comes to international issues particularly relating to Israel he's Jewish and he just has a really good perspective on a lot of stuff that goes on in the Middle East um and he's just he's a he's a good conservative I enjoy following him I enjoy the commentary that he puts up over at the dailywire.com one of the people that I've never met but hope to someday anyway he had a piece up on the daily wire that talks about uh, it just is like a general summary because I was talking to some people yesterday and we were like well what what exactly does this mean like how is this beneficial we've withdrawn from the Iran deal but does that really change anything I mean if they're already producing weapons and stuff and uh, like how does what 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 is this why why is this a, why is this a thing and I thought Shapiro did a great job of breaking it down to just five simple reasons why this is a really good thing that we have withdrawn from the Iran deal. So here's, here's his five reasons. He said, one, the deal should never have been signed. He's exactly right. Because under the Obama administration, uh, we were told that the Rouhani government, Rouhani's the guy that's now in charge in Iran, that they were different, that they would be different, but they're not. He's, a, he's, he's just continuing the terrorist tradition of Iran. And the deal that we signed didn't do anything at all about Iran's missile programs or their funding for terrorism. And so, when we withdrew the sanctions and we're funding Iran, we're essentially funding terrorists who hate us, who hate Israel, who hate our allies, who hate innocent people around the world. And at the time the deal was signed, they had no intention of disarming anything. They would delay as necessary until not worthwhile to do so anymore. And as Netanyahu exposed, we're just continuing their program in secret anyway. All right, secondly, uh, Shapiro said that the deal prevented concerted action. So the deal that President Obama signed, so let me explain this part to you, it didn't just remove sanctions on Iran. But it also blocked our allies like Israel or like Saudi Arabia from doing anything to stop the Iranian nuclear program moving forward. So if Israel or Saudi Arabia had said, hey, Iran is doing this, um, we're about to go do something about this because this is a problem, and say Israel had gone and attacked an Iranian nuclear facility they would now have been standing in opposition to the United States and to the Europeans who were involved in this deal with us. That's, that's really a big conflict of interest. Like, we should never be in a deal where our ally is being forced to potentially become our enemy because we've got this other deal with our ally's enemy. Right? So if, I, if Israel goes and bombs Iran, now we have to take Iran's side because we have this treaty with them. And Israel now is, is in violation of our treaty, and so we have to be anti-Israel. That's a problem. Third reason why this is, this is good, that we are now, now, now no longer in this deal, is that the deal was never approved uh, by the Senate. In case you don't remember, at the time this treaty was approved, uh, it... it <laughs> There was some political magic that happened, and instead of 60 senators being required uh, to, to give this treaty the ability to move forward, they switched it to where it would take 60 senators for the bill not to move forward. That is simply unconstitutional, and the president was right to withdraw us from the agreement on that ground alone. Fourthly, According to Shapiro, Iran has gotten intensely aggressive since the deal was signed. So since 2015, the pace of the Iran-backed Syrian slaughter has continued to increase. Hezbollah has effectively taken over all of Lebanon. Hamas has been rearmed with Iranian help. And Yemen has devolved into Iranian-backed chaos, ratcheting up its own terrorist programs since it became clear that the United States would not back its allies against Iran in any serious way. Right? So go back to the concerted action, prevention of concerted action, which we talked about a couple of minutes ago. 
And lastly, of course, fifthly, as Shapiro points out, the deal did not deter the quest uh, for nuclear weapons. And then we could go back and we could talk about Gaddafi and how he gave up his nuclear program, but pretty much the only reason he gave it up was because he knew that there was serious possibility that the United States would... um, shall we say, look disfavorably upon him. But post the Iran nuclear deal, other foreign powers were like, oh, hey, a.k.a. North Korea, we're going to develop some nukes over here. Because if we do that, then, you know, maybe the United States will be like, oh, hey, um, we don't want you to do that. How, How can we help? What can we do? How can we make a deal so that you don't do that? <laughs> By pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal and making it clear that we are not um, going to play that game, but there will be consequences for dictatorships seeking nuclear weapons, Trump made it painfully obvious to North Korea that their best move is simply to disarm and to do so with credible methods of enforcement. And no, by the way, uh, ending the Iran deal is not likely to lead to a U.S.-led war in Iran. But it could and should lead to concerted action by Americans, America and our allies, uh, both economic and military, as need may be. Simply put, the Iranian deal was not a deal. It was a catastrophe for both the United States and our allies and for the proliferation of nuclear weapons around the world. And President Trump was very much right to kill it. And yes, I think that Bibi Netanyahu's presentation probably had at least a decent bit to do with that. And I personally, as someone who cares about, you know, the world not ending by nuclear weapons, maybe, you know, like right now, uh, I think that um, Bibi Netanyahu and the Israeli Mossad deserve a lot of credit for this whole thing. We'll be back in a moment. We have returned. We have returned to talk about Senator John McCain. Senator McCain has been battling brain cancer and has been back in the news for reasons you may or may not have heard about. Um, and we'll get to that in just a moment. There have been conflicting reports on his health status and what's happening uh, with his cancer. But personally, based on what I've been reading, I would venture to suggest that the prospects um, are not looking great uh, for him. And you may like him, you may hate his politics, but John McCain is both an American hero and an icon for Arizona. The people of Arizona love John McCain, and quite frankly, he represents them. So it really doesn't matter if you like him or not, unless you're an Arizonan. If that's how he's Arizonian? Arizona? I don't know. Anyway. If we're being honest, though, if you're not from Arizona, I would venture to guess that most of us wouldn't really know anything about John McCain or his story if not for his failed presidential bid in 2008. Granted, I still scratch my head over that primary pick to go up against Barack Obama, but that's neither here nor there now. John McCain entered the Naval Academy in June of 1954. He served in the United States Navy until 1981. That's what, 60, 20, 27 years? 27 years in the Navy. Following his naval service... He was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from Arizona in 1982 and to the United States Senate in 1986. 32 years in the Senate, I believe, if I am adding that correctly. 32 years of service in the Senate. Add the four years in his House of Representatives, 36 years in Congress. And now maybe you're like, see, that's why we need term limits. I'm not opposed to term limits. In fact, I think term limits are probably a good idea um, in the in the political landscape that we live in. But at the same time, I really don't think that's the problem. I, I don't think the problem is that we don't limit our politicians to the number of years that they can serve. Because I do believe that there are some politicians who I would love to see serve indefinitely. You may not like that. But I, I, 
I think there are some individuals that that is their gifting and they're good at it. But I understand the idea of term limits. I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think that solves the problem because I don't think the problem is that we have politicians that run for office too many times. I think the problem is that we have an uninformed electorate who does not participate in what's going on in our country and who fails to understand the implications of elections. And so people either do not vote or vote for individuals with, for whom they should not be casting their ballot because of that lack of understanding and that lack of wisdom. So I think the problem is not... A lack of term limits, the problem is a lack of education of our voters because it is voters who put people into office. And if the voters of Arizona did not want John McCain, they could vote for someone else. And we could get into the ramifications of, no, they can't because big money and stuff. I'm, I'm not. We're, that's neither here nor there for me today. I'm not having that conversation on the program this time around. If you want to discuss it with me in person. I'd be happy to do that with you or on my Facebook or no, probably not on Facebook. I don't really get into all this stuff on Facebook anymore because I found it's just not worth it. But Twitter, (laughs) you can find me on Twitter at the Frittle. Anyway. uh, Okay. So John McCain is in the news because, because, because you may have seen that he stated that he does not want President Trump at his funeral. (gasps) We'll get into that in a minute. But he's also in the news because his future and his health, or lack thereof, may determine whether Republicans are able to retain their single-seat majority in the Senate. Because should the senator die or resign before the end of this month, before the end of May, then we'll probably have to have a special election to fill his empty seat. If there is a special election, there's potential for Republicans to lose that seat and thus lose the majority. Pending that nothing else changes, of course. But under Arizona law, if he remains in office until June, there probably would not be an election for the seat until 2020. Instead, what would happen is Arizona's governor, who is a Republican, would appoint a temporary uh, replacement for Senator McCain, and that would delay uh, the replacement of that seat until 2020. Excuse me, I think I have allergies this year. I haven't had them before, but my nose this week will just not stop running. And yes, I've been trying to catch up with it. I know the joke. Okay. So... All right, the ins and outs of this thing. Um, There there is some debate. There is some debate over whether or not, what, what the date is. If he resigned in April, would that mean there needed to be a special election? If he resigned in May, does that mean there needs to be a special election? Like, how long does it have to go? So it seems that it could be that even right now, if something were to happen, that a successor could be appointed rather than a special election. But the law is pretty tricky and not clear on this. So what the Arizona legislature is doing is they're actually putting forward uh, a new piece of legislation to eliminate all confusion and question. But essentially what everyone agrees on is if he has not resigned or passed away, Come June, then for sure there is an appointment. There is then no time for an election. So that is what, um, that is, that's, that's what's happening. Now, to further dramatize this in the political landscape, Arizona already has an open Senate seat on their ballot for 2018. Republican Senator Jeff Flake, he's retiring after one term. He's done. So you have Jeff Flake's seat up. If his seat goes, Republicans lose control of the majority. If you have Flake's seat and McCain's seat both up for election, this just changes the game completely. Two open seats in a single state would be huge political news. Uh, in a single state for the, for the Senate. And it would undoubtedly lead to a ridiculous amount of cash being poured into the state of Arizona because you can campaign for both uh, your party's candidates on the same 
uh, the same commercials, the same flyers, the same mailers, the same robocalls, everything you can do, you can do together. So there would just be this huge outpouring. My speculation on this whole matter is that should Senator McCain still be living come June, that he will resign. I think that he is just waiting until there is absolutely no question whatsoever as to whether there would be a special uh, election or if there would be an appointment of a successor because being as politically savvy as he is, whether or not you like his politics, uh, he doesn't want a special election. And honestly, if you're a Republican, no matter what else you think of John McCain, you should be pretty grateful to him for that alone. Because a special election with uh, with the excitement on the Democratic side of things this year would not uh, be a sure thing by any by any sense of the word. But if it was an appointment, the governor is required to appoint a Republican. Even if the governor were a Democrat, he would still have to appoint a Republican because it's a Republican-held seat. But as we all know, GOPers, if you will, come in different... Uh, all different shades, right? So you never know what you might get in that instance. But it will be interesting to see, though, if McCain does resign, I'm guessing that he's going to suggest who he would like his replacement to be. And in that case, when you have an American hero who's dying of cancer, it makes it really hard to not appoint the person that they ask you to a point. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being his wife or his daughter, uh, but we will see what happens there. So, all of that said, the political aspects of this, I think, are the actual story in this story. The political side of what's happening with John McCain health-wise and uh, who his successor will be, that's the conversation. But it's not the story that we're hearing. The story that we're hearing is, John McCain doesn't want Trump at his funeral. Gasp, hiss, boo! That's that's the storyline. Okay, look, first of all, the man is dying, all right? He's an American hero. He can invite or not invite anyone he pleases. Personally, though I wasn't a fan of President Obama, I'd have been totally cool if he wanted to come to any of my significant life events or celebrations simply because he was the president. Same with President Trump. I, the, the politics don't matter to me, right? If, if I have something going on in my life and you want to come, please come. I'll, you can come. You're the president of the United States. There are some other people, though. Not many. But yeah, I, think, I think I know a few people that I'd, I'd be okay if they didn't come to any of my significant life events. Like, for example, uh, Kim Jong-un. I'm okay if he doesn't come, you know, if someday I have a wedding or a funeral or something like that. Uh, I'm okay if Kim Jong-un doesn't show up. I would be all right with that. Now, obviously, I'm... Okay, I'm not comparing Trump to Kim Jong-un, okay? That was just... Sometimes you guys take me way too seriously. For McCain to say he doesn't want Trump at his funeral, do I agree? No, not necessarily. But is it a big deal? I I really don't think that it is. Especially when you remember that there's not exactly any love loss between these two, right? John McCain was imprisoned and tortured in Vietnam. He came home a hero. And Trump, when speaking of McCain, said, quote, I like people that weren't captured, unquote. I mean, call me crazy, but if I'd spent five and a half years in a North Vietnamese prison and 45 years after my release still couldn't raise my arm above shoulder level because of my injuries and the torture that, uh, that I'd endured, to be honest, I don't think I'd be super crazy about someone who said they preferred someone who wasn't captured. I, I probably wouldn't be a big fan of that individual. I just... I. I feel in my heart that there might be some real animosity there. You see what I'm saying? I. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, probably not what I would say in the situation, but I also understand why he's saying it. And I just, I, I don't think that it matters. Look, Donald Trump is human, John McCain is human, and if McCain prefers Trump not to be at his funeral... Who cares? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand why we think this is a big deal. 
Like, they, they've never been good buddies. But this, this, this is the story surrounding John McCain. Not the fact that, politically speaking, it will get really interesting, potentially, on if there's a special election or an appointment, or, or to me, what's far more interesting... By the way, this all came about because John McCain is releasing a new memoir. I think it comes out in a couple months, and he was doing an interview or something about it, and so this all came about. But in this new memoir, he reveals that he wishes he would have selected Joe Lieberman over Sarah Palin as his running mate. Now, Sarah Palin, she wasn't, isn't perfect by any means. But personally, I, I really like Sarah Palin. She did great things for Alaska, if you look at it objectively, and I believe she had a lot of potential. Whether or not she was McCain's best choice, I think, is debatable. But as with Trump's pick of Pence, I think Palin was what kept McCain in the race at all at that point. And to say that you preferred the Democrat turned independent to Sarah Palin? Yeah, I don't think that would have been a smart political move. I don't think conservatives would have stuck around for that. But who knows? Maybe they would have. Or maybe it would have completely redistributed our political landscape and we'd be in a different spot today than we currently are. Who knows? Decisions, decisions, decisions. McCain went with Palin. And we all voted as we did. And elections have consequences, people. Speaking of which, our primary election in Nevada is coming up here very, very quickly. This, I have to, I have to contain myself because this is one of my biggest pet peeves in politics. And with we, the people who vote. Are you ready for it? We do not vote. <laughs> it is a ridiculously low number of Americans who vote in general elections, but when you look at primary elections, the number of people that vote in primary elections is just abysmal, and Christians are just as bad as the rest of the population. We have a responsibility in this country. We have a gift in that we are a republic. We are not under a monarchy or, or communism or, or a dictatorship. No, we get to choose who will rule over us. Not only is it a responsibility, it, that it, if you have any understanding of history, the gift that we have been given to be able to pick who governs, is absolutely incredible. And yet we just don't participate. We're like, oh, yeah, was that the, oh, I I think I missed it. Look, I, you know what? If you're in a state where there is one day to vote and you miss it, I, I, I can cut you a little bit of slack there because, you know, things happen. But here in Nevada... There is zero excuse not to vote. When you have multiple weeks of early voting and you can walk into any of these little trailers and go vote, it doesn't even have to be in your actual polling place. We have no excuse, guys. There is zero excuse not to vote in Nevada. We have so many opportunities. The state of Nevada has made it so easy for you to register to vote. There's no reason for you, if you are over the age of 18, or if you're going to be 18 by the time of the next election, to not vote. And to not vote in the primary, because people think, oh, well, that one doesn't really matter. I'll vote, I'll vote in November. That's the one that counts. No. No, 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 no. This is the election. This matters. June 12th is primary day in Nevada. Primary day is the day that whichever political party you've aligned yourself with, so if you're a Democrat, then, this, then, then your party's voting this day. If you're a Republican, your party's voting this day. If you've chosen not to be either, that's fine, but then you don't really have much say in who's on the ballot in November because that's just the way our system is right now. It's neither here nor there at the moment, but it's just the way it is, okay? So here's what happens. On primary day... If you're a Democrat, there are different Democrats on your ballot that are running for the same position. If you're a Republican, there are different Republicans on the ballot that are running for the same position. As mentioned earlier, I'm not sure if you're aware, 
but Republicans come in many different forms. Not all Republicans think the same, and if you're a Republican, not all Republicans think like you. If you're a Democrat, not all Democrats think the same. Not all Democrats think like you. So if in November you want to have someone to vote for that you agree with on issues, then you need to vote for them now. Because if you don't, or sometimes even if you do, you will end up with someone on the ballot in November with whom you don't agree, but who's the, quote, lesser of two evils option, and you're stuck with that. And people are like, oh my goodness, we have such terrible choices on our ballot in November. I don't know what to do. It's because we don't vote in primaries, people. This isn't hard to figure out. I tried to warn you. I This is like... Primary elections are the bane of my existence. <laughs> not really, not really, but it does get me very riled up. I am containing so much of myself right now, you don't even understand. You need to register to vote. Today. If you are not registered to vote, you can take care of that today. You have until May 22nd to register in person. That's 12 days. You have until May 24th to register online. If you are under the age of 50, you have zero excuse for not registering to vote because you can register online and I guarantee you know how to use a computer because I've seen you using your smartphone in church and it's basically the same thing. two weeks. You have two weeks to go and register to vote online, and it is so simple. Early voting, just over two weeks away, starts May 26th. So three. So there's this Saturday, two more. Early voting starts May 26th. It runs through June 8th. You have two weeks of early voting. Plus the actual primary election day itself on June 12th. You have like 15 days that you can go and vote. But you can't vote if you're not registered. You need to register to vote. And I was hoping to put together a list of a bunch of the candidates that are running in our area, but I realized as I was working on it that there's just so many different districts within our listening area that it's not really it wouldn't really be a fair look because I I I can't really <laughs> Uh, okay, let me just put it this way. Next week, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can put something together so I can give you a general idea of at least some of the main offices that will be on your ballots if you're in our listening area. But until then, I hope that you will do your own homework, okay? I can't and I will not tell you who to vote for. And honestly, though... I also understand that learning about candidates here in Clark County and across Nevada can be quite challenging. Like sometimes even Google is not helpful because people don't have websites or they don't have information out about themselves or they're running for an office that none of our newspapers have decided to interview them about. So I get that. Sometimes you can't figure out uh, who's the best option in every race. But at least do what you can, okay? most of the candidates who will be on your ballot have something somewhere online about them. And if they're in one of the lesser offices, even if you can't find them online, they might have they might have a phone number available somewhere, they might have an email address available somewhere. Google, email, make phone calls, make an effort to find out who is on your ballot and then determine who you believe best is deserving of your vote. Starting on May 16th, all right, so next Wednesday, you will be able to go online to ClarkCountyNV.gov and you can view your sample ballot, right? You can look at exactly what you'll be seeing when you go in to vote. It's free to do this. It's easy and it'll give you exactly what you'll be looking at when you step into the voting booth. The first time you see your ballot should not be when you go to vote. 
You do not want to be standing there looking at a piece of paper with a bunch of names on it and have no idea who any of the individuals are or what they stand for. You might it's it's basically as if you're not voting. Okay? Educate, educate, educate. Know who your candidates are. Find out about them whenever and however possible so that you can make an informed decision. Now, again, if you are listening here in Las Vegas, hang on one second. Sorry, I had to blow the nose again. I'm telling you, it's just like running away. ClarkCountyNV.gov forward slash election. ClarkCountyNV.gov forward slash election. If you go there, you can register to vote. You can update your address. By the way, if you have moved since the last election, you need to update your address in the, in the, in the system. You can change your party affiliation. This is particularly relevant to you if you are an independent or if you're non-affiliated and you, as a general rule, you don't like to align yourself with either party. I totally get that. And I have zero problem with that whatsoever. Here's what I would encourage you to do, though. There are a lot of good people that you probably agree with on a lot of things that are running in primary races. Find some of those good people. All right, whether they're Democrats, whether they're Republican, it doesn't matter. But find some good people that you support that you can vote for in the primaries. Go online, ClarkCountyMB.gov slash election. You can update your party affiliation to either Democrat or Republican for the primary so that you can participate in helping to choose who the candidates will be. And then after the primary, if you say, you know what, I really don't want to be affiliated with this particular party, I just wanted to be able to help that person get on the ballot, then you can go back online and you can change your affiliation again. And you can become an independent, you could be non-affiliated, you could switch from Democrat to Republican or from Republican to Democrat. You can change, you can update your app, you can do everything online. I'm telling you, our county has made this so incredibly simple. All you need is the last four digits of your social security number, your name, your address. I hope you know those things. If you don't, you probably shouldn't be voting anyway. Um, or your Nevada, <coughs> excuse me, your Nevada yeah, your Nevada ID or driver's license or the last four of your social security number, right? You can request a paper ballot. You can get paid to be a poll worker. You can print forms to update your registration. You can, again, you can view your sample ballot and you should. All of these things for free you can do online in a matter of moments. ClarkCountyNV.gov forward slash election. But, alas, let us not take Crystal's word for it, because Crystal does have a tendency to rant, and she knows that. So instead, allow me to leave you with some thoughts today from our founding fathers on the importance of voting in America, particularly as it pertains to we in the Christian realm. John Adams said, We electors have an important constitutional power placed in our hands. We have a check upon two branches of the legislature. The power, I mean, of electing at stated periods each branch. It becomes necessary to every citizen, then, to be in some degree a statesman and to examine and judge for himself of the tendency of political principles and measures. Let us examine, then, with a sober, a manly, and a Christian spirit. Let us neglect all party loyalty and avert to facts. Let us believe no man to be infallible or impeccable in government any more than in religion. Take no man's word against evidence, nor implicitly adopt the sentiments of others who may be deceived themselves or may be interested in deceiving us. Samuel Adams said, Let each citizen remember at the moment he is offering his vote that he is not making a present or a compliment to please an individual, or at least that he ought not to do so, but that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society for which he is accountable to God 
and his country. Frederick Douglass said, I have one great political idea. That idea is an old one. It is widely and generally assented to. Nevertheless, it is very generally trampled upon and disregarded. The best expression of it I have found in the Bible. It is in substance, Proverbs 14:34. Righteousness exalteth a nation. This constitutes my politics, the negative and politi- positive of my politics, and the whole of my politics. I feel it my duty to do all in my power to infuse this idea into the public mind that it may be speedily recognized and practiced by our people. Charles Finney, great revivalist, said the time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter, but the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what they do in politics, but I tell you he does see it, and he will bless or curse this nation according to the course that Christians take in politics. James Garfield said, Now more than ever, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the legislature. If the next centennial does not find us a great nation, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. John Jay said Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. William Penn said governments like clocks go from the motion men give them, and as governments are made and moved by men, so by them they are ruined too. Wherefore, governments rather depend upon men than men upon governments. Let men be good, and the government cannot be bad. But if men be bad, let the government be never so good, they will endeavor to warp and spoil it to their turn. Though good laws do well, good men do better. For good laws may want good men and be abolished or invaded by ill men. But good men will never want good laws, nor suffer ill ones. Daniel Webster said, Impress upon children the truth that the exercise of the elective franchise is a social duty of a solemn nature as man uh, of as solemn a nature as man can be called to perform, that a man may not innocently trifle with his vote, that every elector is a trustee as well for others as himself, and that every measure he supports has an important bearing on the interests of others as well as his own. Noah Webster said, When you become entitled to exercise the right of voting for public officers, let it be impressed on your mind that God commands you to choose for rulers just men who will rule in the fear of God. The preservation of government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty. If the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the governments will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made not for the public good so much as for selfish or local purposes. Corrupt or incompetent men will be appointed to execute the laws. The public revenues will be squandered on unworthy men, and the rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded. If a Republican government fails to secure public prosperity and happiness, it must be because the citizens neglect the divine commands and elect bad men to make and administer the laws. I could go on and on and on. I have so many quotes from founding fathers and early Christian leaders of this country about the importance of voting. But alas, I am out of time. And so we must end... Uh, there with Noah Webster. That was from his History of the United States, which was published in 1832. It's amazing to me that in the early 1800s, the issues and principles surrounding voting are the same as they are today. And so it is our duty to elect men and women of character who will govern our nation well. But if we do not register to vote, we can't vote for them. And if we don't educate ourselves as to who is the best candidate, then we are in danger of failing to elect those who would govern us well. 
And so I would encourage you, again, it's very, very simple. ClarkCountyNV.gov forward slash election. You can go there and find out everything you need to about your ability and status when it comes to being able to vote. You can register to vote. You can update your voter registration. You can update your address. You can view your sample ballot so that you can educate yourself as to who is running for office in your area so that you can learn about individuals and support the best people possible to represent you in the various offices across our city and our county, our state, and our country. And that is it. I'm out of time. If you are on your way to Liberty Baptist Church right now to drop off your kids for school, or if you are driving around somewhere in this general area, heads up. We have our uh, um, the Bolden Area Command of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department is here on campus this morning at Liberty. Our address 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Our Farmer's Market, Three Square, donates all kinds of stuff, which is going to be given away for free, excuse me, for free to our community members today. So if you're on your way here for school, you might want to stick around. It'll be over uh, back behind the modulars, modular buildings on the far uh, far side parking lot. We'll have all kinds of goodies. I don't know what's out there today. I haven't been out there yet. I'm about to go out there. By the way, this only applies to you if you're listening in the morning uh, to the live broadcast of the program. If you're catching the rerun, I apologize. This does not apply to you. Uh, but if you are here this morning, Head on out back, check out our farmer's market, lots of good free stuff, and you are welcome to join us and participate in getting some of that. I believe it opens at 9 a.m. this morning. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope you'll join us for church on Sunday. Our service times are 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning. If you can't be here in person or if you'd just like some more information about our church, I hope you'll visit us online at experienceliberty.com. Tomorrow is Friday. I'll be giving stuff away, so be sure to tune in then. Hope you and your family have a great day.